0: Head to com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinold Show, we talk about the difference between in-season and off-season training with our athletes and some of the things to look out for to make sure that we're not overloading our athletes. The Ask Mike Reinold Show. Helping people feel better, move better,
1: and perform better.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We're up at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston, Massachusetts. Dan Pope, Dave Tilly, Mike Scadudo, Lenny McCrina here rocking your questions or... Rocking the answers to your questions, head to micround.com and click on that podcast link and you can ask away as well.
2: Lenny, who do we have for students on today's episode? We got some really good students, wicked good as we say. We have Kara Mae Sheft, little known fact. She goes by her middle name, I think it's her middle name, which is May Sheft. Uh, from Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. She is from New Jersey, so she is not a Southern girl. So we're still confused why she's got all these names. And uh, you know what she
0: said to me too, by the way. Jersey. She, she said it was a little weird that she has. It's weird that she, you know she has two names. And I'm like, well, we all have she two names. This is your middle name, right? Now, if your first name was Carimay, and then your middle name was like, May? I don't know. Still confused, by man. <laughs> I'm still confused right. by this concept,
2: sorry. <clears throat> we also have Nick Jacapello from Toro University in somewhere in New York, uh, which is one of 37,000 schools. Spain, 000, New York. Come up Spain, <laughs> New York? <laughs> Little known fact about New York State, it has eight million PT schools, that, and he is one of them, so it's interesting that he comes to us from New York.
0: <laughs> somewhere I was in a, t- a tech school that was like, <laughs> we, we need another budget line, <laughs> we need more revenue, what can we do, oh let's PT. have PT. So. Yes, awesome. Landscaping, <laughs> lands, landscaping <laughs> college, like, what college. else can we do? We can yeah. do more. So, Alright, who's <laughs> starting this one? Nick, are we gonna are we gonna ride the bull? Ride the bull. <laughs> Woo.
1: Right. So, horns up! Are we gonna do that? Toro, Let's guys. ride the bull, Toro. Nick. Alright, Caitlin from PA. I'm an athletic trainer for a collegiate baseball team and have noticed more injuries related to the weight room than baseball lately, especially when their off-season and, in- and in-season programs are identical. What recommendations can you give for how to approach this problem?
0: Awesome. So really good question. I mean, baseball specific for her, but I think this is a good general question at all. How do we differ between in-season and off-season training with athletes? Because I think this is a really important question, right? And it sounds like, what was her name again? Caitlin. Caitlin. Sounds like Caitlin is experiencing a situation at her college where the in-season and off-season programs are almost identical. So which sounds like not a lot of periodization, right? Which we can, you know, kind of talk about. But I don't know, Dave, you want to start this one off? And then, you know, Mike, you got a smaller golf off-season. I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts. But like... Dave, why don't you start it off a little bit about the difference between in-season and off-season and training and like some of the important
1: key factors of that. Yeah, so I think two big things come to mind. One, like you already touched upon, is the periodization, right? So in the off-season we're typically, or whatever off-season you have, you're typically trying to first recover, take a couple weeks to kind of recover from your season, but then it's really your only biggest block to gain strength and to try to increase like the base level foundation of athleticism, right? So you're trying to maybe pull somebody away from being such a specialist in baseball or golf or gymnastics and and be just a general athlete again. So I think that's probably going to be a little bit more just grunt work. It's going to be a little bit more basic exercises that are general to all athletes. So I think that's very important to think about is we're trying to just kind of uh, even things out again for the entire summer and get a little stronger. But then as you move more in-season, you're starting to funnel towards the athletic quality that's most important for your sport, whether that's repeat sprintability in soccer, whether that's body weight power, whether that's rotational power in golf or baseball. You're trying to think about what the end goal is to get somebody into their competitive season. So I guess with periodization is a lot of you know undulation versus linear, but your goals typically are based on the sport you're trying to Build towards, right? And I would say in the w- com- calendar of that, exactly, right? Yeah, it's it's different for every athlete, especially within the sport. There's different seasons uh, itself, but I would say that's number one. Is that the goal of the end program is probably slightly different. And I think the biggest thing, especially back to your comment on injuries, is you're trying to make sure that the uh, exercises are the best fit for the athlete based on in season versus out of season. So if you're out of season, you know maybe doing goblet squats is a better option if someone has stiffer hips, like a baseball player. Versus when you're in season, maybe that's single leg lateral work because you're trying to get towards baseball or towards golf. In gymnastics, for an example, we do a lot of kettlebell deadlifting or trap bar deadlifting, maybe in the uh, off season for the athletes. But we're trying to get back to explosive bodyweight jumps with dumbbells in season. Both similar movement patterns, but very different exercise selections based on the goal and based on the anatomy. All so, right, uh, let me jump in. Yep. Let me. I'm, I'm
0: gonna. I'm gonna be your um, translator. I like it. <laughs> so, uh, so first big point I think I got from your answer, which I really liked, was um, it, it almost seems like if you're if you're going month to month or you're not putting like a good thought process as to like an entire calendar year because mm-hmm. I think everything's based off a of calendar year where you have to almost map out the whole calendar mm-hmm. as to what is your in-season, off-season, what is your transitional phases in between. Mm-hmm. You almost have to start with that like macroscopic of a view to look at the whole the whole, you know, uh, year, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of go in a year. I think most of our sports go in a year. So I don't see, you know, why other than, you know, I guess, I guess you could argue the Olympics. You can, yeah. it's almost, you yeah. have like a super macro yeah. where you have a four as well as in the four world,
3: Usually, I was going to say they have, have stuff
0: schools, in between, yeah. in between. So, mm-hmm. so that was number one. And then the other big point, I think, so, you know, in terms of like, how, going back to one, how do you do different between them? Well, you have to understand where they are in the season. You have to understand what's coming up. You have to be able to prepare. The second thing I think, and this is what we talk about all the time, is 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 understanding the demands of your sport so that way you can build a program that complements and doesn't kind of beat them down a little bit. So your big thing that you said, although you did say you were getting injuries, Caitlin, but the big thing you said was that in-season and off-season uh, seemed the same to you. That doesn't necessarily mean that the in-season's too much. It could equally mean that their off-season's too little, mm. right? So you can't immediately say one of those is bad. You have to just say like, what's their, uh, you know, competing stresses or something. But anyone yeah, else want to I jump think, in? I yeah? think that's a great yeah. point. Is
4: managing the competing stresses of the sport and the training program. So one, uh, one thing that we kind of work on with our athletes here is is their volume uh, in the gym has to reflect what they're doing on the field. So if they have a really big week. Uh, like playing their sport, if they have like a four rounds of golf in a big tournament, like we're probably going to drop their volume on certain things in the in the weight room to um, to kind of manage that stress over time, and, and that'll be planned out over the course of a year, like when we're going to adjust their volume. But we don't want to overload them with a the rotational med ball throw, and then they go out and they play four rounds in a day. Like it's just it's just managing those stresses. Um, on a how, how do we know short term level as a. Devil's advocate, how do we know what the, like, I know
2: um, Tim Gabbitt has that formula for yeah. chronic workload and all that yeah. stuff, but as a yeah. regular PT or an ATC at a school, like, how do we, are we just saying because they do a trap rod deadlift in the off season that they should do a kettlebell deadlift in season as a lighter weight, more movement pattern based, or how do we know if the stress is too much or
4: just it a percentage of... I don't know if we need to know exactly, but I think the goal in in an in-season program kind of shifts from building maximum strength to maintaining what they kind of had in in the off-season. So it's not necessarily like we're chasing getting... Tons stronger when they're trying to compete at their sport, but we do want to maintain as much as we can. So if they're doing so it th- stop at the th- three to six reps in a set, they're now doing eight to ten reps in a set. And is that a
2: simple
0: uh, concept? It's still yeah. less volume. You yeah, you right. Right. Less say, yeah. Or maybe also... do it like once a week, for
3: example, right?
4: right? Like that's right. you know not to get too off topic. And it, I'll let you jump in on that. So you, you know, about the you know the, that concept, but keep and it. And it probably up. depends where they finish their their off-season training and right. and their training age and how experienced they are in the gym. And, and so there's probably a couple different factors as to like, where they go when they start the season.
1: And to your point, so, I will yeah. say that Tim and his course did talk a lot about how they have the athlete's rate and do track tracking for each section of their training day. Mm-hmm. So like their skill practice in the morning, their weight room stuff, their cardio stuff, and another skill practice, they weight those things independently. So typically, you're trying to fluctuate. The fader dials in season is more heavier in the skill stuff, less in the weight room. But again, you have to have an accurate measurement system of wellness and external workload to say like, three thousand units here let's pull this down let's pick up the sport so you can do it it's just it's challenging yeah right so dan tell me a little bit about like volume sets
0: reps, frequency i think you know you were starting to hit upon that and i think that's a little that's a good you know topic to cover like how's
3: how's that different in season for you yeah yeah well i think um generally the goal with strength conditioning is to get stronger usually trying to build something for a sport and also prevent injuries right so part of it is that if you have so much volume in your in-season that's starting to cause injuries, it's kind of like directly against what you're supposed to do, right? When you're hurt, you're not performing well either. So I think a big part is that something has to change, something has to go down, but we still want to maintain those qualities as much as possible. So kind of what Lenny was saying is like, what do we go from sets of three to sets of eight? Uh, in my mind, we still want to get and maintain that strength, right? So we don't necessarily need to go to sets of eight because now we're just changing the training stimulus too much at that point. If anything, right in-season should be pretty should be pretty much the same stuff, but maybe at a lower intensity, excuse me, not necessarily intensity, same intensity, but less volume right. or less frequency, which is also a change in, in volume as well. Sure. So maybe they're training less days throughout the course of the week, maybe that's less sets, maybe it's less intensity while you're in the gym, not pushing quite as hard, um, but I don't think that you need to change too much from kind of your late off-season into um, your in-season, but the volume should definitely change so that it's more of a maintenance dose, kind of like Mike was saying. Um, the one I, I do think I want to I
0: want to touch on that I do think you're assuming a really well-designed off-season program there because what he said it shouldn't change from your late off-season plan which means your late off-season plan changed from your mid off-season plan so something to also keep in mind I think it goes back to that big calendar thing at the beginning so you're right you have to start periodizing even your off-season to get them ready for the season but sorry keep going yeah
3: no problem I was about to change the subject anyway so it I an love it changing <laughs> um, I think one of the big things I see a lot is communication and I think there's a lot of times a, a poor communication between the coaches the strength coaches and athletic trainers a lot a lot of times you have kind of a big ego in the room and people are not talking so one person's like ah the reason why you're getting hurt is the strength coaches and the coaches are like okay the reason why you're getting hurt is athletic trainers like trainers are also mad too and no one's really talking and getting on the same page so i just hearing your question it sounds like maybe you know a little bit about periodization right and we just talked a lot about that but the other piece is you need to make sure that you're building good rapport with one another and you really respect each other so you can actually make those changes as they're happening um, so maybe the strength coach actually is thinking towards that and you're not even realizing it right. and maybe it just seems like they're not changing things up much and then you know people are getting hurt you're seeing the injuries you're like oh it's got to be the strength conditioning side of things so i would say make sure you're communicating well let's see if there's actually a plan in place and if there's no plan in place obviously you have to keep communicating changing things over the course of time try something new, and just keep on working, I guess. I love it. That was a good,
0: good solid, you know, like, just, just recommendation on how to make sure you put that all together, because I do think that happens a lot. I do think, the, like, the athletic trainers, you know, and the situations I've been in, some of the athletic trainers don't always understand what's happening in the weight room simultaneously, and that's, I'll put that back on you. It's not the strength coach's job to teach you what they're doing. It's your job to learn what they're doing, right? Now, you may have an amazing strength coach that helps with that, but I, I'm going to put that back on you. And then, last thing I'd add, and just, I guess we can sum it up with this or, or, or end it with this concept here is like Mike talked a little bit about competing stress, and Dave and Dan and Lenny, like everybody had some like good comments on that. Just keep in mind that it's not always like as obvious as you think, right? So, Mike brought up we're going to decrease our rotational med ball volume in season with a golfer or any rotational sport person because they're doing a ton of that in their skill work. Um, I will say sometimes there's other competing stress that you just have to keep in mind as well. So I'll use baseball as an example for us, but someone going through like a late rehab phase and like a throwing program from, let's say, Tommy John or even midseason of an in-season sequence, sometimes what we do is we see that there's a lot of grip overload. Right, so this may not necessarily seem like it's a competing stress, but for us, if you're trying to PR your deadlift on the trap bar and you're like really doing a ton of grip work, if you're doing stuff like bottom up kettlebell work or something that's like super heavy grip, Grip related, and you're also trying to increase your throwing volume and your forearm muscles on that. That's one of those like good tricky examples how it doesn't really kind of fit, right? We see this all the time, right? Like somebody in my inner circle just asked me this question. It was like, you know, all my athletes in season are having raging patellar tendinopathy. Like, what's going on, right? And then you got to take a step back and you say, all right, if you're in a field sport and they're running all the time, or a court-based sport and they're they're running all the time, I mean, maybe we need a little less single-leg work. Maybe we need a little bit less. We have to like really just pay attention to those competing stresses. So I think that's like the, the good general thought, but I think, you know, good, good overall discussion. So it was awesome. So good question. Thank you, Caitlin. And thank you for another great episode. Head to Mike click on that podcast link, and you can continue to ask us great questions like that. And be sure to head to iTunes and Spotify and rate review and subscribe. So we can keep doing these, uh, these, these fun episodes where we have good discussions like this. This is a good one. So thanks. See you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast.